Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode... Well, shit. <laughs> Get fucked! Get fucked! You are owned! This is your fault! I'm laughing at you now! Episode I can't be as mean as you. 39. I, I feel awkward already. 39, so Jackson. It's episode 39. No, no. We're uh, here to talk about Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> I'm your host, and with me is my number one, Jackson. Hello! But they're the rude. I got insecure after about ten seconds of being fake mean. <laughs> no, nope. That's that's just your real life. You're just rude like that. <laughs> yeah, that's just how I am. Um, Discovery's back. Yeah, we're here to talk about Discovery. Star Trek Discovery, new Star Trek on television. Uh, it's still nebulously weird. on television, I guess. If you listen to everyone screaming for blood, it is not actually television, and they are holding Star Trek hostage for the, from the people. Ah, well, they are, but um, to all you people, I say, yeah, I love to use the internet. <laughs> if people who were wrong were not allowed to use the internet, uh, the internet would be a much better place. Yeah. Like, yes, I, CBS All Access is going to crash and fail because not even God himself making 12 billion Star Trek shows could make people actually subscribe to CBS All Access. But for this period, why, while they are giving them infinite money to make Star Trek, I will watch it all. Uh, the, the funny thing is, CBS All Access is, like, clearly a weird kind of bad service. It's the networks that are just now, in 2019, announcing their intentions to make a streaming service that I'm really you like, see you doing one. what are you doing? Like, CBS at least is, like, at the head of the pack on this stuff. It's the best advertisement for piracy since 2010. <laughs> what happened in 2010? You've seen on the... Well, I feel like that was a good era for when Netflix started just completely crushing everyone deciding to download things, because you could just get them. Oh, uh, yeah, now right. you can no longer get them. Yeah, remember when Netflix was good? Shit. Yeah, no, when, when everyone was like, oh, th- we, we have done it. We don't have to steal things for we can pay for them now. And now everyone's broke and you can't pay for them. Uh, also, they don't have the back content you want anyway. Like, nobody has old movies until Filmstruck comes back. Yeah, so uh, who knows whether Star Trek will survive that long, whether it's big enough to pull the worst streaming service together I, it's not Absolutely it's not, not big enough Absolutely it's not big not. enough so we don't have we don't have like that long of peak Star Trek but it's gonna be a good couple years Thursday night the Orville was trending in the US Star Trek was not so ah oh, the Orville yep Putting them head to head, I feel like is hubris on the part of CBS because this is not on me this is not on like television people just get so you're just asking to be like owned by Seth MacFarlane's fake TNG show. Yeah, and a million people just watching Fox. Yeah. Yeah. There won't be Orville check-ins. I have not... uh, I watched one episode of the Orville like six months ago, just on a whim, and I was like, you know, this is a totally good episode. Um, But I have not felt compelled to go and... The the secret is, if you make TNG, but it doesn't have the TNG actors, and it's trying a little too hard to be funny, it's just not... It's just the worst show in the world. Like, TNG works because they lucked into all the good actors. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I... 
you know, I started watching Voyager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they're just doing TNG again, but no one's as compelling as the, like, the least of the TNG cast. You're like, man, I don't know about this. Yeah. They, they do not have the best cast on television anymore, and it's very apparent. No. Brennan Bragg's scripts need it. Robert Picardo and a ship of fools. That's all you get. <laughs> uh, he is very good, though. Yes. Absolutely. Harry Kim. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all, I think that's all we have as our preamble. Do you just want to get into the damn episode? Yeah, let us talk about uh, Star Trek Discovery's first episode. So this is the episode Brother. It aired the 17th of January, 2019. Uh, this was written by Ted Sullivan, Gretchen Elberg, and Aaron Harberts. Two of those people no longer with... What? Jay Berg. I do this all the time. I yeah. was literally reading it. Apparently, I'm just dyslexic for J's and L's. <laughs> That's fine. It's understandable. Um, two of these people no longer with the production of this show. No. Um, no. Gresham J. Berg and Aaron Herberts are the prior showrunners who got kicked off in that report when they were like, apparently being shitty and abusive to the writing staff. So good riddance. Yes. Yep. Apparently, also, there was... CBS was very unhappy because this first episode ran way over budget, which... You know, oh, did it? I'm surprising looking at the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, weird that this episode would be... Because it's insanely expensive. Yeah, this is directed by Alex Kurtzman. From what I've heard, Alex Kurtzman directs a lot of the episodes this season, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, with all of the like stuff he is now the discovery guy he's like yeah. i guess i've got to be the guy who knows what's going on uh, and give everyone some stability because they they need it yep um which is fine i i'm not into alex Kurtzman's prior work but discovery has been good enough that i will trust him on this yes the sixth place in the as year 2257 as always as always yes i think what, what, must be getting towards october 2257 because they've been 10 months away from the war um i'm trying to work out the timeline of this because they have a timeline but no one's actually worked it out yet yeah. Anyway. Um, gosh, you're right. Because there's definitely... They were already in 2257 when they went back. Yeah. Because hmm. there was a three-month skip at one point to let uh, Vok happen. Yes. No, there wasn't. There was a three-month skip and then Vok happened the week after. <laughs> uh... because, because of how they paced the show. Discovery returns nine months later. Nine months later. Um, this takes place right after that, because it literally yeah, picks up from the second after Discovery Season 1. But I'm one trying to it. work out when was... When did this one take place? It doesn't even have a year on it. This is useless. Uh, I mean, the, the skip happened when they came back to real time. They were in... Cause there's one episode of Discovery where she says it's like Christmas, right? That's totally like a thing that was pegged in Discovery Season 1. Yeah, there's a point in the first half of the season where it tips over into 2057, because it starts yes. in 2056. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, we're in the back half of 2057. So we are... Yeah, 2057 rapidly comes to an end. 2058 is going to be head soon. They're getting up on it. <laughs> yep. Um, sorry for that. Nobody cares about this. <laughs> Absolutely nobody cares about that, except us. Sorry for that. Uh, yep. uh, so we get a big recap of everything that happened in Discovery Season 1, which, compressed all together like that, just sounds like the most ridiculous fanfiction bullshit in the world. I love it so much. Yeah, so we don't know we talk about the recaps, but begins, you see, like, about um, a good... 30 seconds dedicated to the, the uh, it's, it's Burnham, it's a Klingon war, she started the Klingon war, Georgie dies. Um, 
that's what we get. Then it directly cuts to Lorca being like, I'm Lorca, you're going to work with me. Then it directly cuts to Emperor Giorgio in the Mirror Universe. Then Lorca dies. Yep. And then, then, and then we have to genocide the Klingons. And no, we must not genocide the Klingons. This is who we are. <laughs> and then that's it. And it's like, this no. is who we are. Hooray. <laughs> And that's it. Those are the plot points. Which, yes, uh, they are the plot points. But then but Michael Burnham says, space the final frontier. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yes. Same. Uh, which Same. is amazing. Footage of the Cassini mission uh, to Saturn. Um, and a, like, an African legend about the creation of the stars. Um, all of this will certainly tie into the major themes of the season. Which, you know, we'll get to as we go through this season. Uh, and then we get Kid Burnham and Kid Spock. Kid Spock looking exactly as he did in the animated series with his ridiculous upswept eyebrows. Oh, <laughs> uh, Kid Spock. Kid Spock, like, using, like, a fucking blender to make his, like, dragon OC. Kid Spock listening to Limp Biscuit at the top of his volume, kicking his dad out of his room. Yep. Yep. Uh, the neatest, emptiest room in the entire world. This is an incredible moment because we get to see Vulcan, like the interior of like Spock's house, which does look again kind of like it does in the animated series. Uh, I don't know if we've been there in the in the original series. I haven't seen enough of it to know for sure. No, the animated series has it, but also the animated series, the houses are like weird, like seventy sci-fi, like architecture crazy houses. Um, Yeah, and this is much more just ikea minimalism yeah this uh, this is like literally a house in i think it's montreal or something that trekor had pictures of the actual house it's a very funny translation of like that kind of weird minimalism into this because this show doesn't look like old star trek shows and how it's like shot and framed and everything but this is just the lens of a 70s star trek set it's just that um because this is just the weird empty vulcan house which is how they all always are yep for sure uh, yes, this is a house, uh, it is called the Integral House in Toronto. Nice. So. Um, Good choice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Spock is not happy to get a, uh, a foster sister, I guess. Uh, which, you know, makes sense given that his elder <laughs> half-brother probably already, like, bounced from the family. Spock got a lot of trauma. Uh, Unsurprisingly, but to much to my dismay, Cybok not mentioned in this episode. No, no, not mentioned. No one's dealing with the fact that there's another um, uh, child of Sarek who is in this time full Vulcan, so he's really on his bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so pr- presumably older than Michael Burnham is, like, you know. Because he's, he's the elder brother, the- <laughs> uh, and I assume it's, like, enough time that, like, maybe he's already gone away, and maybe Michael Burnham doesn't know Cybok, which is a real shame, honestly, because I think the two of them would get along famously. Uh, nobody, the the internet would riot if they tried to, like, bring Cybok into this story in a way that was earnest. I think everyone would just kill them. Like, I don't think they'd be allowed. Only we would be very excited. Oh, I'm, I'd be so excited, though. If you don't know who Cybok is, because you're just watching Star Trek and you've no idea what we're talking about, um, and so you're listening to the Discovery Podcast, which I bet is a lot of you, Cybok is a character in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Yeah, he's Spock's full Vulcan older brother that was not mentioned until that movie. He's like a, he rejects logic for like an emotional radical truth that is basically like a cult. Because he's looking for God at the center of the universe. That's what that movie's about. It's it's a bad movie. Cybok's really interesting, though. Yeah, it's a very bad movie, and Cybok's not used like great in it. But that 
idea of what he is and how he represents and how that would link to um everything Honestly, Sarek I think does Discovery could do interesting things with him. Yeah, because he's basically yeah. exactly the same as Sarek is portrayed here, just slightly more honest about how on his bullshit he is. <laughs> yeah, because Sarek's the most even this in this episode, in this episode especially, just the most emotional Vulcan. Yeah. I um, love it. Uh he's so good. I, I mean increasingly i feel like discovery is taking the tactic that vulcans are not unemotional they just express it in like very yes. logical ways that human beings read as non-emotive well they have they had that incredible episode last time um inside sarek's mind that brought back the most vulcan thing which was the logic terrorists who are logically committing uh suicide in favor of uh ethnic isolationism very yes. logically yes <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, Vulcans can do whatever the fuck they want so long as they say it's logical, which yep. has always been true. Um, the thing I like about this is that it casts characters like uh, like um, Spock and Tuvok as their reaction to being around humans is to get all up on, uh, on yes. their airs about not being emotive. Which is so many Star Trek characters, right? <laughs> yes. Like, that's Worf. Yeah, because when Sarek's with Michael Burnham, he can express the emotions that he has in the way he expresses them, like, really well and eloquently. And you're like, oh, right, okay, Vulcans can just do this to themselves, like, among themselves, in, like, an in-group. But just when humans are around, they turn into Paul being like, oh, I hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wonder how intentional... Um, it has to be like a little bit, but uh, like the the trend of Star Trek characters being um, their their difference is being extenuated because of their situation around humans, right? Like that's Worf, that's like Balana was doing that in Voyager. Like that is, almost every alien is mostly normal. I mean, I think, that's, I think that better reflects like the ways in which we now understand like cultural in groups and out groups, right? Yes, yes. Like yeah. uh, I don't know if that was uh, completely what they were doing back in the time, like day, but like, it's clearly actually doing that here. Like the way Sarek changes when he's around people when he's on the bridge is very different, right? Like that is an intentional uh, way he is being portrayed. Mm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, to the actual part of this episode that matters. Yes. <laughs> um, the Enterprise is here. It showed up. Everyone's like, oh, I can't communicate with us. Can it use Morse code or something? And uh, they're just talking about how they're going to get in contact with it. But then it doesn't matter because they just like contact them. Um, Tilly shows up to like give you the solution because that Tilly shows up to be uh, a function of the plot this entire episode. Um, yes. Uh, and it announced that uh, Captain Christopher Pike wants to come on board with a science and engineering officer, which makes Sarek and Burnham very nervous because they know the <laughs> science officer Enterprise is Mr. Spock. Um, yes. So they both look like they're about to barf. There's an incredible scene with Sarek being like, I sense you are anxious. And Burnham's like, I have never been anxious. I am a Starfleet officer on a mission. I'm doing my mission, my mission, my mission. Uh, that's that, what that's I'm doing. Saru, not Sarek. Oh, sorry, Sarah. Yes. Yes, that, that was just me misspeaking. Okay. Um, uh, and Saru is like, is like, mm. yes. <laughs> what <have> you say? <laughs> Saru just being like confident enough to like let Burnham be on her bullshit is very good. Yeah, no, that is it's such a good scene. The one thing I do like about this episode is everyone on the ship is convinced that Saru should be captain, and he's just not yet. So I'm glad that they're just going with that. Mm -hmm. Like even Pike is like, oh, clearly you were going to be the captain, but sorry, right now I'm I'm captain. Yeah, no, it's Captain Saru, which yeah. means obviously he's going to die tragically at some point. Yep. Uh, Saru mentions that he had a sister. Thankfully, we don't have to be told anything else about that because we all watch Short Track number three. <laughs> yeah, it was a very, very funny, like, we have another plot about this yep. point, which you can do when you write your whole series once at a time. Yep. 
Uh, immediately justifying what I said last episode about how clearly this short exists only so they don't have to recap it <laughs> in episodes. <laughs> oh, could you imagine the 10 minute scene with her and Michael Burnham flashing back to that? Yeah, it would suck. Oh, it would suck so much. Yep. Uh, anyway, three people show up in their fucking colorful cop uniforms. It is Christopher Pike, of course. Uh, his engineer, a lady named Commander Non, and his sci- uh, science officer, a guy named Lieutenant Evan Connolly, who just looks like the shittiest, like slightly more modern version of the generic 60s man that shows up in every Star Trek episode. <laughs> yep. You're like, oh, this is the guy that's going to, like, espouse the racism and then be told to stuff it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and then Star Trek turns into the West Wing for a bit. Uh, yes. That's true. Because, like, West Wing, bad show, horrible politics. But one thing that I associate with the West Wing more than almost anything else is inventing a complete, utter shitbag character only for everyone to take satisfaction in how much smarter and better everyone else is than them. Yes. Um, and that is Colony walking off the set of that show into here. Yep. Uh, but I like the cast a lot more, so dunking on him is more fun. Yep. It's not like we're fucking Rob Lowe dunking someone, and I'm like, I wish you would die. Yeah, uh, Pike is being uh, is commandeering this ship because the Enterprise is damaged, and he pulls like a regulation. And Saru's like, "Oh, that could only mean that there's an imminent threat to the Federation or its citizens." Uh, and Pike's like, "Yes, it does mean that <laughs> because this is a <laughs> Star Trek plot." All three. This is the trailer line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, the Federation sensors detected seven red bursts spread out across the galaxy. Uh, in perfect synchronization, and then they scan them all just long enough to note that they were there, and then they vanished, uh, except for <laughs> one that is the one closest to them they're going to go investigate. Uh, because they're all in sync, that can't be a natural phenomenon. Um, and they're like, oh, is it some kind of signal? We're worried because the war just ended. Maybe it's Klingons. Uh, we'll get to... It's not Klingons. Uh, and all this, the, sen- the Enterprise tried to scan it, and their computer went haywire. Um and so they're going to go and investigate in person because this this ship is more uh, functional than the Enterprise right now. Enterprise is disabled, of course. Yes, yes. Um, they're towing it back to space dock. And then Burnham's like, oh, I was hoping to see Mr. Spock. And he's like, well, it's great to be disappointed, I guess. Please wait for episode three. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, they have to scan his DNA because there was a war on, which is interesting only in that in DS9, when there are actual people infiltrating Starfleet, they did not take these measures for like ages. And in fact, we're like, oh, if we take these measures, we are compromising our values. But no, Pike just gets his DNA scanned. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, literal, there's a literal plot about Joseph Sisko thinking DNA scanning is the devil. And he's right and- in that episode. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of time, a lot of things have changed in the yes. 20 years since DS9. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just really interesting. The Pike's just like, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, uh, no, why not? Just scan the DNA. Of course you do. Yeah. I could uh, be a Vogue. Tilly is a gog at Pike's majesty because there's a lot going on. Um, yes. Uh, also, they point out that the the Discovery is like a shiny, expensive ship in a way that like kind of the Enterprise is also just in a different way. Since it's the weird Section 31 Black Ops ship that has not yet come back up. <laughs> yes, I do do that line. Yes. Like, oh, this, this ship looks wild compared to our ship. Yes. And, and like, then I'm like, oh, well, that. we got the uniforms. And then uh, Burnham is like very colorful. In the yeah, most, I always like, assume that the... Um... Go ahead. 
I always assume the Constitution classes are like the top of the like. This is kind of more experimental and weird, and it's got its big engine stuff. But I assume the Constitution classes are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they even mentioned early on. It's like I've seen the specs of this ship, and it'd take a lot to destroy its communication systems. Like it's the deep space flagship of the fleet kind of line. Like I don't think the Enterprise is actually the flagship here, but it is like their top of the line deep space exploration vessel. Yeah. It's able to do everything better, like better than a lot of the things that are specialized. Discovery just happens to be the weird black box, like we got we, dangerous tech we, ship. We we'll put some engines on you. We we'll put some guns on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Pike gets his whole in- extensive record put up on the screen on the bridge, including all of his like school transcripts and the thousands of medals that he has been awarded. <laughs> yeah, this um, is an important character. Definitely one of those things that you freeze frame. He's got a, a, a Leggett medal from Cardassia, I guess, which is interesting. Please show me Cardassians in this how, era. How did, how could he get that? I don't know. I don't know. It's very interesting. This is before the war. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Where's I mean, the it, could just, it could just be the writers throwing something weird in, right? But Yeah, sure. But they have now raised the possibility of a Pike Cardassian crossover. <laughs> Um, I bet the Cardassians would love what the Federation looks like in this era. Oh, I bet they would. <laughs> I bet they would. I bet you could get a really good book about Cardassians being like, you're just like us, you're just not honest about it. Yeah, They still think that a little. Yeah, no, they do. Um, anyway, he gives a big speech about how he's clearly not Lorca because he's charming and good, unlike Lorca, who was also charming and good up until he wasn't. <laughs> He gives a big speech about how, uh, I'm the Lorca, I care about all of you. And I'm like, this is basically a Lorca speech, my guy, but go off. <laughs> yes, it's very funny. Because the show plays it entirely straight, but is absolutely just the speech Lorca gives to everyone in the first half of that show. Yeah. He's he's very charming. Yep. Uh, so what else happens here? So Stamets is all moping about Dr. Kolber, of course. Um, and... Ever, they're packing up this board drive stuff because they're not using it now. Um, and she's like, oh, I could commandeer a lab. Tilly's like, I could commandeer a lab. And he's like, no, they offered, the Vulcan Science Academy offered a teaching position for to me. Uh, I'm going to take, I, I was going to take it. I'm done with this. This ship sucks. It just reminds me of my dead husband. Uh, and Tilly's like, but I need you here. And he's like, well, I'm sorry. Sometimes stuff sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, clearly he is not actually going to leave the show. Sorry. Uh, it's a fantastic scene. <laughs> yes, it is a very good scene. Um, and then Burnham is in her quarters reading uh, Alice's Adventures of Wonderland, uh, again, because that is the plot point to her childhood with her connection to Amanda. Uh, Sarah comes in, turns out all the candles she had on were holographic, which I think is a good touch. Um, yeah, they do. I was like, how's she going to... Because I genuinely thought, oh, God, she's got to pack a lot of candles away to have this scene. This is going to be a bit weird. Yep. Uh, and <laughs> then... And then uh, he's like, I contacted my close personal friend, Laurel, the Chancellor of the Klingon Empire, and asked her if they were involved with these red bursts, but they don't know a fucking thing either. And she's like, oh, good. <laughs> this is not the Klingons. Do not speculate this is the Klingons. Please don't think this is the Klingons. It's not the Klingons. Not the Klingons. Absolutely not the Klingons. Um, and then they talk about Spock and Sarek's like, oh, I was hoping Spock could learn empathy from you. That was my goal uh, to have you in my family. And clearly that didn't happen. She's like, oh, it did for a little while, but it broke bad. And he's like, are you going to tell me about it? She's like, absolutely not. This is for later in the season. <laughs> uh, yes. 
Uh, and then they have a great emotional, there's, it's just a really good conversation. Honestly, these two are great. I could watch them like be real at each other forever. I feel like it brings out the best part of Sarek. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Because there's two scenes back to back. The one with um, Stamets and Tilly and this this one with Burnham and Sarek are like the most Star Trek scenes that we've had in the show, right? They are just two people talking about their feelings very openly. um, And... They're very long scenes. They just get to like breathe for a good while as we see these like people go through these processes. The stuff with Burnham and Sarek is just amazing. Like their relationship is very good. Like he clearly connects to her better than he does to his own son because you know his son doesn't see him and again until a giant babble. Yeah. Um, and there's just something like very quietly sad about this guy who just wants more than anything than to uh, open up his culture to like a better way of looking at things. And it just hasn't worked. His life hasn't been able to make it happen. And it is, it becomes good because you like, you know, I know what happens over the next 150 years, these characters, right? Yeah. (laughs) But they don't yet. No. Um, So yeah, it's, it's very good. It's a very emotional scene. I was, yeah, this is one of my favorite scenes in the entire series so far. Uh, at some point, Pike on the bridge uh, does the thing that this show needed to do literally like 10 episodes ago and is like, bridge crew, please tell me your names. Uh, I don't need your God, ranks. Just you? give me the names so I can say them out and we can remember who these characters are. So we meet Bryce and Reese, of course. They get first names, but I'm not going to retain them. Detmer, of course. Yep. Uh, Wuskun, which I had been mispronouncing and can now fix. Uh, I was like, oh, that's one less syllable than I was using. Yeah, uh, Wuskun. Much easier to pronounce. Yep. We, uh, now we have we know how to pronounce it. Uh, and Aryam, who has a different actress for some reason. Um, I was going to say. Yeah, Trekor, say. Trekor has been talking about. The actress who played Aryam in season one is like just a crew member on the bridge. Uh, but the one under the makeup is a different lady now. So no okay. one's quite sure if that's just like she didn't want to go under five hours of makeup every time she was on the bridge and still want to be on the show. Uh, or, like, we thought we needed a better actress because we're going to give her something to do this season. Um, yeah. Also, that actress has already said that Arium is an augmented human and not, like, a weird robot. So, there you go. Just had face problems, had yeah. to... Got a new yeah. got a new head. Got a new head. <laughs> Who among us? You yeah. uh, So, this is when the big action thing happens. I don't know if we want to... If there's that much to cover here. It's very shiny. Yeah, so the big action thing happens. We'll skip through this entire thing. Basically, they need to go get down to the... Uh, so they, they arrive at the asteroid, at the, the at the site, and there's no red thing. And he's like, where's my damn red thing? Um, <laughs> so, so we had joked a lot about how the biggest cop bus in the world with the king cop was going to show up. And the way in which Pike is just like, try, like channeling without being too kitschy the 60s tone of Star Trek uh, by just being like folksy and charismatic and still the most enormous cop in space is very good. I like him a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they really had to nail that tone to make Pike work. And they yes. did, they, they did it. Yeah. Cause I don't hate him. Like he's a King cop, but like everyone in Star Trek is King cop. Sometimes it's not like, I don't like the crews of every Star Trek show. Yeah. Jean-Luc um, Picard, King cop, <laughs> King of the cops, <laughs> philosopher, King cop. <laughs> yeah. Like we, what we mean, had this conversation off air, but we're watching, Again, mentioned Voyager, the cast thing. When you, the Janeway is just Picard, does the same things, but so much more monstrous when there's not charismatic King Cop Picard doing it. Yeah, she That's doesn't have a Shakespearean is. monologue before she does the awful thing. She just does the awful thing. <laughs> right, he'll monologue so hard about why the awful thing is what we must do. And then there's very careful writing it. to make sure that she doesn't ostracize the male fan base of the show by being too feminine. So it makes right. it especially bad when you're watching them clumsily handle that on top of it. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, so, so, so Pike coming into that whole spectrum of how Star Trek captains work is very good. Um, and uh, they see that there is a, a Starfleet ship crashing on an asteroid there. The red thing's gone, but there are weird gravitational effects, which don't make any sense because they, they shouldn't be real. Uh, they don't line up with how space works, but whatever. This is a big space mystery. We'll figure it out later. There's, there's a Starfleet ship cra- crashed on one of the asteroids. It's the USS Hiawatha, uh, which is the medical ship that went missing during the war. Um, they need to go down there and find it. They do in about a 20-minute action sequence. Nah, a 10-minute action sequence. The part that matters here is they get incredible, like, monocolored, like, mylar uniforms to go down in. (laughs) This is the 60s. (laughs) Yes. Michael Burnham inexplicably just gets a silver one, despite the fact she should probably have a blue one. Well, the other one's got a blue one. Yeah, I know. You have to tell them but they're giving her giving her a different color just because she's a main character. I know what Michael Burnham looks like. I can spot her out of a crowd. <laughs> yep. Uh, in, uh, even in among like the diverse cast of Discovery, Sneaker Martin Green stands out. Like I'd be able to spot her. Put her in a blue one. Um, they all get in weird like bubbles, uh, like these landing pods, because that's the only way. Due to reasons, this is the only way to get down on the thing. We're not doing all the techno babble. Anyway, mm-hmm. they have to get down there. Um, they start doing it, everything is going fine, Michael Burnham has the plan out of control, but who thinks he knows better but Connolly himself? He's like, ah, oh, no, you're, you, I, I know better than you. And he's been doing this the whole episode, being like, yeah, you, you don't know anything. I, I've, you are undermining my authority, I'm good, and everyone's been dunked on him. To the point where I was like, well, clearly he exists to get dunked on, and I was assuming he was going to die, but they're going in so hard on it that maybe he's just going to redeem himself, and then he immediately died. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he dies giving a big speech about when he was at the Academy, he told off his cat lady roommate. Yes, he uh, had a cat lady roommate. Um, and then you're like, oh, great. Well, fuck him, I guess. But also, his explosion almost kills Pike, and you're like, oh, I know you're not going to die. You can't. You literally cannot die in the canon of this show. <laughs> but um, uh, then Michael Burnham saves him through an action thing. So and then they all land. Yep, it's a it's a cool action thing because it really gets to involve the um, uh, Detmer and Awakes again. Like, yeah, I, there's I've yes the great scene of them trying to desperately like program stuff on the bridge while she is trying to do the action thing. It's very good. Like it is just an action thing, but it, it's an action thing well constructed and how it brings the bridge into just the sense yes. of like the stuff happening. Half the ac- half saying. the action thing is ops desperately pressing buttons, <laughs> so it's the most Star Trek action scene possible. He's like, "Don't worry, we've got him." We you do know. have him, right, girls? <laughs> yes. Um, the one thing we forgot is Tilly was like, th- this asteroid's giving off mycelial reactions uh, the same way the tardigrade did, and so please get a sample for me. We're packing this ball drive away. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, they land, and then they're immediately accosted by Mass Effect drones. Um, okay, thank you. Everyone else said Star Wars, but I went to Mass Effect as well. <laughs> yeah. No, they just look like Mass Effect stuff to me. Um, And they lead them inside an airlock and pass some booby traps. And inside the Hiawatha, where we meet Commander Jet Reno, uh, played by Tignataro. And she's been here keeping everyone who is injured alive through nothing more than sheer uh, engineering acumen. Because bodies are the same thing as machines, if you get right down to it. So she's just, like, hooked people up to tubes and gears and shit to keep them alive for ten months. Uh, she did not know the war was over until I told her, and she's like, well, I guess since you're not speaking Klingon, we must have won. <laughs> and they're like, well, it was, we kind of made peace, we didn't, you know. Yep. Uh, they're like, we have pattern, if we can set up pattern hunters, we can beam everyone out, so they go to do that uh, and beam everyone out. Uh, as Saru's in command of the ship and trying to keep the ship from getting exploded, um, which he does mostly. 
Yeah, a lot of like action scenes that don't summarize well, but they are all very well constructed to involve both the away team and the crew in a way that's very deliberate. Yep, uh, everyone beams out except Burnham, who was rerouting power, and then the cable exploded and threw her out of the room, uh, and she was passed out, and she has like a vision of a weird angel figure, like a red angel, uh, almost as if this plot's going to be about red angels this season. Uh, and then that turns into Pike, who comes and rescues her, and she wakes up at the infirmary with her leg being repaired, Uh and then Tilly comes in and is like, did you get the sample? And she's like, I grabbed it, but it wouldn't beam out. That must mean that it is not of this universe. Um, they gave a line about how Pike got there to rescue her, though, because it was the... Th- I forgot what it was. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and she's like, that must mean that this could be like... Uh, what is it? It was... Uh, it's not made out of baryonic matter, which is the matter of this universe, which means it could like tap into a new energy source so they could get it. So they need to get a piece of that asteroid. And Burnham's like, well, while I've been recuperating here, I charted a bunch of asteroids that we could go and grab if you found out a way to do it. Uh, and Tilly, of course, finds out a way to do it, which is to use the giant Discovery shuttle bay uh, to just like cap, like let an asteroid fly into it and then capture it in a gravity field. <laughs> yeah, they, they just their plan is to angle the Discovery's big open uh, docking bay, um, just add an asteroid, let it hit the ship, and then hope that the gravity field is going to immediately contain it and not destroy the whole ship. Yep. Uh, so her and Stamets work works. on that, and it works. It does destroy almost the entire la- docking bay, like the big <laughs> main shuttle bay. Can't believe this episode went over budget. Uh, yep. It's very incredible. And then she's like, that's the power of math, and her and Stamets high five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we cut to Pike in the ready room wearing the Discovery old style uniform. Uh, yeah, we do. And he is c- cleaning up. He's like, oh, the standing dust sucks. And then he finds a fortune on the floor and picks that up. And he's like reading it. And uh, Burnham comes in and she's like, the Enterprise is going to be fucked for a long time now. Maybe like three to five episodes or maybe this entire season. Who can say? Um, and he's like, well, I'm going to stay aboard. And she's like, does Sara know? And he's like, yeah, I've talked to him about it. We have a joint custody thing on the ship. Uh, and she's like, okay, that's fine. And then she talks to him about Spock and why her and Spock don't speak. Um, and she's like, I'd like to go over the Enterprise. And he's like, uh, you don't understand. Spock bounced. He had a bunch of leave. He, something was going on with him. Uh, and I don't know what it was. He wouldn't talk to me. And I trust him enough not to tell me. But if you want to go over and look at his room, be my guest, I guess. And then he's like, uh, Burnham, I know that you've had a rough time. Season one was hard. It was grim dark sometimes, but this season gonna be different. We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna get some shit done. It'll be cool as hell. And she's like, hell yeah. That's not what she's like. Go. She she arches an eyebrow and looks out a window as he walks away. Just basically the same thing for Burnham. Yes. Uh, and then it cuts to her in Spock's room. Um, and she goes inside and it's full of Vulcan shit. And she sees the old drawing table that he had as a kid. Um, and she plays his last log, which is about nightmares that Spock was having. And as she pulls out whatever he is drawing on this pad, it turns out that it was a map of all of the beacon points that Starfleet is investigating, but before those beacons happened. So Spock had some sort of vision about it. In the end. Yeah, they're connected to Spock somehow. They are connected to Spock somehow. We have to find that. Yep. Uh, and then there's a big preview of the coming season, probably full of lies. A lot of Spock in it. <laughs> Uh, ah, shame that part's true. He's probably yes. in the show for quite a bit. Yep. A lot of Spock, a lot of action. That, that's mostly it. Number one's there at some point. Yeah, good. Yep. I know George. We've got to see George. We've got yes, to see they did Ash show, Tyler They did Lorel. show some George. Uh, they did show some Klingons looking fabulous with their new hair. Got to see some Second 31 at some point. Yep. Yes. 
there's literally a point in the preview where Georgiou turns to Burnham and shows her her like black combat and Burnham's like, oh, section 31. She's like, yeah, cool, huh? Wait, Georgiou, does, hang on. How does Burnham know what that is? Apparently it's, so a thing Trekcore said is apparently maybe at this point in the universe that has not been like elucidated yet is that section 31 is not like an unknown secret thing. Um, I guess, I mean, it was in the original charter. Yeah. Everyone just deciding to forget about it over the years is actually a much darker... <laughs> yeah, the idea that, like, at some point they officially disbanded and absolutely did not disband as the Federation became friendlier and softer, according to Section 31, and just were operating in the shadows when they used to just be the actual, like, CIA of the Starfleet is way scarier, honestly. That's way scary. They were just there and everyone knew about them, but then they just decided, we're better now, we don't have to talk about them. Yeah. God, that's... Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that's what's going on. It's, it's a fantastic episode. This Star is, Trek's back. Yes. So this this season already is off to a start where it's like, there's not a whole lot to like predict in the way we were last season. We're like, yes. oh, there's like so many irons in the fire here. What's going to happen? There's a space mystery. We're going to figure out the space mystery. That's it. That's all you got. It, it's They did Star Trek shit. It was very good. Uh, I'm so excited for a season-long Star Trek plot. Yes. Like... We had a season-long war plot, but that's not the same thing as season-long space mystery with beacons that uh, clearly mean something and will conclude with some kind of emotional resonance to Berman and Spock. Like, at, at one point, they have to talk to the Zindi Aquatics. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I guess that counts. Yes. <laughs> I guess that technically counts. And yeah. then they're in World War II. Uh, thankfully, this is ten episodes less than season three of Enterprise. <laughs> And not awful. <laughs> I think the Zindi arc is fine. It goes on too long. But... I like the back half of the Zindi arc it, yes. more than some you should. <laughs> yes, this also season... isn't an extended 9-11 metaphor. <laughs> yeah, but the part where everyone's character is completely thrown off the rails as 9-11 happens to all of them off screen. Yes. Oh, is it okay to what... do a torture if it saves human American lives? <laughs> Uh, yes, the answer is yes, Archer. That's what you believe. Yeah. <laughs> 9-11 did a lot on us, but it, it makes Star Trek more interesting to have Archer just be that guy. Yep. So he is the guy that I mean, there is that there's that episode in season four where he's like, maybe I shouldn't have done a torture to protect human lives. <laughs> and his fake yeah. girlfriend is like, no, absolutely you shouldn't have. We're Starfleet. That's what we do, you idiot. And then she fucks off to space. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and he's like, when you yep. go out to space, you'll understand. Sometimes you have to do the wrong thing for good reasons. She's like, I don't think that's true. You're the captain of a show. I'm just out there in space. <laughs> and the other episode with where he makes a clone of um, Trip to die in four days. Yep. yep. He like makes a disposable clone of Trip to save Trip. Uh, and the moral is that this is a monstrous thing to do, but the actual monstrous thing is to do nothing. Either kill him or don't. Don't waffle about it. <laughs> I mean, um, they make and kill clones everyone every time they use a transporter, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is not the plot of the episode. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, but that transporter guy does get a shout out in the new title sequence. Yes. New title sequence, pretty good. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Like it a lot. Um... Uh, both Stamets and uh, uh, Wilson Cruz plays Hugh Colbert in the main credits, so going to be yep. regular characters, because I think uh, Wilson uh, Cruz was a special guest in season one. 
Yes, he was a guest starring last time. Yeah. But that's often meaningless in the st- in sure. in these kind of shows. Like guest starring and main cast has more to do with how much you're paid than it does whether you're going to be in the episode. Eh, yes or no? Is- yes or no? Like uh, Michelle Yeoh not in the main credits of this season. Anson Mount absolutely in the main credits of the season. Oh yeah, I mean it tends to, but like you can have guest characters that are there more that you just didn't sure. realize in the writing process or casting process were going to be there more. Yeah, but I th- um, I think this gives us a good sense of who's going to be regulars and who is not. Oh yeah, no, like it it, it does its function, but in shows that are written like this that don't have like uh, episodic plots, it can sometimes go different ways just depending on the, the way the plot goes. Yeah. Uh, but no, I lo- I love this episode so much. Um, yeah. Star Trek's back. Yeah. They, they talk no about war. some technology that doesn't matter. There are some cool aliens. Oh. We get to see what the, like, how the turbo lifts work, kind of, and it's absolutely absurd. <laughs> There's a shot of, like, the turbo lift from the outside. Yes. They're just on rails in this incredible, like, huge space of everything moving on rails, like the doors in Monsters, Inc., basically, is how turbo lifts are organized. Which is, which makes is like, sense. That's kind of how it had have. to be, but yes, but it's ludicrous when you look at it. Yeah, because it because it's also this like kinetic moving shot. Yes. Um, as it's zooming through the turbo lift. There's also like, there's also an incredible shot where they are just walking through their like standing corridor set, and above them is all of the turbo lift stuff, just like as an open ceiling yep. thing. <laughs> and like, is every starship like this, and we just never pan up to look up <laughs> look at the ceiling? The the first like shot where they go into the extended walking set is it they um. They're inside the Discovery, but the camera's outside also looking at the Enterprise. Yes. Uh, and it's just the most needlessly extravagant we're back shot. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. As they do their walk and talk. Because yep. uh, the main difference between... The main difference between this and uh, old Star Trek is that uh, while it's all people talking back and forth with each other about things, it is much faster and they're often moving. Yes. <laughs> To trick you into thinking they're not just sitting around a meeting room. They built a really big corridor set. They built a really big corridor set. That's the new meeting room. (laughs) Yep. It was big last time. They made it even bigger for this season so they could shoot more corridor sets. Uh, And then the the ending of the episode is Pike comes in, sees the standing desk and goes, you guys need a meeting room. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) You don't understand. You need a meeting room. If you had a table, you could all sit around it to discuss solutions. I like him already. Please give us a meeting room. Please give us a meeting room. Get rid of that standing desk. Even George, who didn't have uh, a meeting room, she just had a desk she sat behind as you came and talked to her. Like she was the principal of an unruly school. I mean, that was absolutely intentional, right? Yes. That's how she did it. Yes. She loved to everyone think of her the principal of an unruly school. To be fair, she was like consciously raising children, but yes. to be protagonist of a Star Trek show. Yes. <laughs> So fuck everyone on that ship who isn't Saru and Burnham. Yeah, you're really my Starfleet Academia. <laughs> Basically, um, God, uh, the fortune cookie that um, Pike breaks open—it's <laughs> not even breaks open. He finds a discarded fortune in the carpet. Oh, does he? Find, I, I thought he's holding the fortune cookie. No, it's just a fortune that is down near the bottom of the desk. Uh, okay. Well, it's uh, what does it say? It says something about a cage and something about how yeah. nothing dead is actually dead. It's the most like on its bullshit messaging of it's this like season. nothing that has gone is lost. No prison is always a cage or whatever. Yes. And I'm like, one, the themes of the show. Two, you were in the cage. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, he was like, oh, remember when I was in the cage four years ago? That happened. I do remember when you were in the cage. Yep. He seems much healthier and happier than he was in the cage. 
He was very exhausted when he was in the cage. Yes. Um, and then the menagerie plays him as just being exhausted for ten years. Yep. Well, no, he's good now. He wants his damn red thing. He wants his damn red thing. Where's his damn red thing? Yep. Uh, I'm very he- excited to see Spock. Uh, I am also pretty excited to see Spock. I hope we get more Sarek also is the thing I want. Me too. I know he can't like interact with Spock because of canon. Yes. But G canon. G canon. <laughs> but I do that's not not even a thing anymore, but you're gonna reference it till the end of time. <laughs> yeah. It stands for Gene Roddenberry. That's what it does. Yep. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Uh yeah. Gene I, loved canon. Jackson. He he <laughs> I was just avoiding doing that. <laughs> I was trying my best not to make that joke. Well, I'll do it instead. You'll, you'll do it instead, will you? Um, say the problematic things. Yeah. Yeah. Spock's gonna be here. It's gonna be good. Yep. Uh, I've seen people going like, "Oh, I can't believe they're bringing Spock into it. Just gonna make it fake original series now." Spock um, is. <laughs> Just the premium itself suggests that Spock is in such a different place that he will barely recognizable as TOS Spock. So, yep. Uh, plus, they, like everything about Spock so far has made it very clear he's just a giant shitbag. Uh, yeah. Um, yep. Which is like true of young Spock, right? I mean, even TOS Spock is only interesting in that he exists literally to just be sassy to the characters trying to get shit done. <laughs> Yeah, and through that process, he, like, becomes the Spock of the movies. Yeah. Uh, and TNG and everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, at this point, he's just peak stick-in-the-mud Spock. Yeah. Literally, um, like, Star Trek dad. 1 Spock is like, I went on a quest to stop being such an asshole, and now I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> yep. And then the next movie, he's like, oh, you were my greatest friend for always and ever. <laughs> yep. And then he dies. And then he dies. It didn't take. Did not take. No, but again, such discovery, such a spark. Yeah. <laughs> I think they know where. I guess they don't know where Spock is. I was like, they know. Where they Spock literally is, no, don't they know don't. where Spock yeah. is, and she has to go look for him. That is the plot of the episode. Yeah. Oh well, I'm excited to see Klingons. That's what I really want. Uh, yeah, Laurel's gonna. Um, I, I, and I have the Klingon stuff is gonna play into it. There's a lot of things that will become plots that I don't know how whether they'll be like. Like small ones or big ones, right? Yep. Like, yeah. I assume the Klingons will have some kind of running arc just because Lorel and Ash are important to this cast. Yep. Um, but, but who can say? Yeah, because uh, Ash was not in the like credits as a main star. He was just guest star this season. Yep. But he was in the not preview shortly. So. Yeah, no, I know Ash is, Ash is coming back with his shitty beard. Yep. Uh, I think it's a good beard. You shut your face. <laughs> That man has no chin. He needs the beard. He does need the beard. It doesn't make the beard good. Some people just need a beard. Um, the, the one prediction we do have is our Ash Tyler prediction. Uh, that's... I guess, is that even a prediction? I guess you could just say it. <laughs> well, we'll say, so we, we had this before we even watched this, which is the, there was an image going around of Ash wearing his second 31 badge. So 100%... We're just going to say it. Obviously, what that plot is going to be is Ash will have joined Section Thirty One, and then a few ep- they'll be like, "Oh my god, how could you have done that?" And then a few episodes later, there'll be a reveal where we'll all pretend to be shocked as we realize Lorel has sent him to do that to infiltrate um, the Starfleet secret police, so anyone could find out what the hell they're up to because they're evil. Yeah, like ob- obviously, what's going to happen, Mark? You know, I guess we could be wrong, but I- no, 
What well, Lorel will one. remind them all that they literally tried to genocide her planet like three weeks ago. Yes. <laughs> She's going to make sure someone's keeping watch over them. Yep. And it's going to be Ashgard. See, it's good. That's a good plot. I'm excited yeah. to watch that plot play out. <laughs> also, I have to say, Sarek just going Chancellor Lorel was very exciting. This is a thing yeah. that exists in the universe. <laughs> he really drops it. Like very. I spoke to Chancellor Lorel the other day, and I'm like, I know who that is. Yes. <laughs> That's from the other season of the show. Also, she would beat you up for even speaking her name. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm very excited to see the Klingon stuff. I'm worried that the Klingon stuff is going to end in tragedy in, in the next few seasons. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of it. I don't think it's going to be tragic. I just think it's a backburner idea. Oh, sure. I just could... I mean, they could just not touch it, but the, the show could totally end with Lorel falling and the Klingons becoming the TOS Klingons. I guess we're coming up on them being like that, I guess. I mean, they have to just I be think, the shitbags. I, I feel like it's more likely that there's a big falling out with Laurel and the Federation. Oh yeah, it could just be a break between those two. Um, yeah. It's not I like they're like it's not like they're like buddies. They have like an a, an agreement to not kill each other right now. Yeah, no, and yeah, it could go either way, but because, at some point they will have to address that. Because the thing that the Klingons explicitly are about in TOS is that they're making a land grab. It's not even that they're like actively against the Federation. They are just planting flags to try to beat the Federation and planting flags. Mm-hmm. Because every time we encounter the Klingons, it's always in the context of we're fighting over this one planet that we both want. I guess the, I guess the way it's probably going to go, you're, you're right, is like uh, Lorel goes... We did this, and you're just going to just continue to be expansionist, just not with us, I guess, which is not better. So we'll expansionist, we'll out-expansionist you. Yeah. And then there'll at least be competition. Yeah, because, like, the agreement is, oh, we're going to respect Klingon boundaries, uh, boundaries, and then so Lorel will be like, well, let's make more Klingon <laughs> systems, and then they, there will be less of the space for the Federation to go conquer, which yeah, makes sense to me. T- turn her into, like, no, like, I guess you could sing, say the Klingon Empire is bad, but we'll protect people from the Federation. We have a different way of doing things. Um, yeah, I'll probably do that. I just don't think the show has, like, space for, like, a Klingon coup happening inside of it. Because they already did that last <laughs> season. Yeah, they sure did. And also, I don't need more, like, Klingon politics get overthrown through the guise of, like, a Starfleet viewer in my Star Trek. There's been so <laughs> much of that at this point. I just need a Klingon show at some point. Yes. I, impossible to do with any sort of budget because they're the Klingons. They cost a lot they're of money chaos. to make. And that would just be an entire episode, like, entire series of just hanging around Klingons being ridiculous all the time. I'd love it. Yeah. No one would watch it. Well, while they're making all these animated Star Treks, maybe one of them should be a Klingon show. Oh, please. Please. Yes. Kid-friendly Klingons. <laughs> That's not what I meant, but yes, sure. <laughs> I'm so happy we're back. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to watch more Star Trek. Yeah, every week. I can't believe that this is the life we lead in which we get infinite Star Trek for the next couple years. They did it. She she walked on screen and said space the final frontier. Yep. We were I I we were going to bring up the announcement of the Georgie Section 31 show at the start of this. Uh And then they recently said segment? that they don't intend to have that happen until at least after season 3 of Discovery. Uh, yeah, like until maybe it could be over, maybe in a few years. We, it's just in it's in the burner now. They're like we have we have Georgie plots for season two. There's no backdoor pilot episode or anything, uh, and we have plans for Georgia in Discovery in season three. So if we we're going to do anything, it'd be after that. And who even knows if Discovery is going to be a show past season three? They they are talking as if someone has told them you're definitely getting a season three, which is nice. 
Um, I mean, like, um, Kurtzman signed that deal recently uh, that was a five-year deal to be like, make this matter. Yeah. So they are still in there. We are throwing all the money in it phase. Yep. Um, so about two, three years, I would say, they will realize that no money that they throw in it can make CBS and Laxus take off, and then it'll start to slow down, is my guess. Yes. The worst um, part is that this is maybe the best, like, Star Trek is not popular enough to sustain this. CBS is not the network that's going to get these people. But on paper, this is the most anyone is ever going to try to do this, like, the right way, right? I feel like... Right, yeah. A beloved TV property they own that they are literally spending a lot of money to try to do very right by. Uh, Yeah. And, like, they're making all these pitches and they're all, like, very unique and very different. Yep. Um, And it's not, like, you know, I don't know. There's a million CW uh, uh, DC shows. Yes. Like, the alternative to this is is Titans, right? Which is a show that everyone made fun of by a single trailer and nobody watched. Did it even come out? Yeah. I've heard that it's actually pretty decent, that the trailer is very bad at depicting what the show is, actually. Of course it is. Because the show is actually a much more knowing, like, kind of CW-style send-up of the idea of gritty superheroes than it is, <laughs> like, trying... You can't put tried... that in a trailer. Yes. <laughs> um, like, yeah, I... Uh, I assume that any show that has been announced will probably at least get a little bit of a season... I think we're still on that point, but I don't think any more will come, right, after the ones that have been said. I don't think there's going to be any undiscovered shows. Uh, They've already I, said four shows that are in development. I'm really I'm really shows. excited for Undiscovery. <laughs> undiscovery? Yeah. Is you that... said undiscovered shows, and my head immediately leapt to that. Um, God. <laughs> Though if you want to make a Klingon show, calling it the Undiscovered Country, not a bad choice. Uh, is, what is the Undiscovered Country? Is it the is it, what is the future? What, what was what was the answer? Is that peace in, in us? Peace, peace between peace, humans peace, and Klingons. Okay, I forget what the Undiscovered Country actually was. Yeah, um, they have not discovered that yet. Ah, they kind of have for a bit. <laughs> they keep discovering they, it and undiscovering it in turn. They've got active diplomatic relations. Uh, they formed they formed a decent relationship with the Klingons about. Exactly 90 minutes after getting their own starship. Uh, yes, that's true. <laughs> that was the very first thing they did. But then they fucked that up. They did fuck that up. Yeah. Data was involved somehow. That's not true. That's not That's not true. <laughs> don't lie to the people. Also, don't spoil the really interesting stuff in Enterprise. Thank you. Okay, I'll just beep that. No, I'm editing this. It's not going to get beeped. But also, Data was oh. not involved in that. That's also just a lie. <laughs> okay. That was me lying. Yes. Uh, do you have I anything more to say about this episode? No, we probably we probably talked this out. It's nice to see Discovery back. I love the way it looks. It's very expensive. I like that the Enterprise is red when Discovery is blue. Yep. Uh, we'll probably never see the Enterprise's bridge, but I want to. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see the interior of the Enterprise again. Is my guess. Yep. Uh, you know, not there. if they if they give Pike like a really good send off and he just turns out to be like everyone's dad this season, I bet that there is the final shot of Pike on like going onto the Enterprise bridge. No, because that's a set. That's an expensive set to build. They can't do wrong by it. If they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it. I mean, they just the the funny thing is if they just like make a CG replicate of the TOS set and put him on that. <laughs> Wait, so the rest of the ship looks just like Red Discovery sets? <laughs> yes. But then he stands in a weird CJ recreation of the uh, bridge. The yes. TOS set. That'd be really funny. Yes. God. 
that's what they did when uh scotty walked onto the uh holodeck in relics like the the yes, big establishing shot is just show. like a matte painting <laughs> they they build it again for enterprise yep yeah God, remember when, when all that stuff came up in season one and everyone was like waiting for it could go off in a million different directions? <laughs> Wait, what stuff? What are we talking about? When they started mentioning that. Oh, the plot, Enterprise stuff, yes. The Enterprise on, on uh, season yes, one. Because the Defiant. The Defiant was there. Yep. And we've got to go find the Defiant. And they didn't. They didn't get involved with that. <laughs> no. Nope. Old to Paul. Please! Please! <laughs> what if Spock talks to Paul? What if? <laughs> It's never gonna no happen. one but me want this. <laughs> I don't think I want this. You don't want that? I don't think so. I mean, really, I want Sarek to talk to Paul. That I would be totally down for. I think Spock. I think Spock talking to Paul shortcuts a lot of Spock's natural character growth through the course of these shows and movies. That is true. Uh, but but Sarek talking to Paul is just two people entirely on their bullshit, and you know yeah, they're just gonna have like a ways. posturing logic off with each other, and it'll be glorious. <laughs> Yeah, but then I'll like give a knowing look at the end and walk yes. away. Yes. Oh. Oh, I want old to pull so bad. Like it's not happening. Like if it was going to happen, we'd know, yep. and it never will. But yep. um, please, it's my. It's what I would do. It's what I want. Yep. I think that's it. I think we've exhausted the discovery talk we can have. We sure have. We'll uh, be back next week to talk about discovery. Yeah. Next episode, next episode is, is called, called New, New Eden. Eden and is directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yeah! Let's see if he um, uh, tells everyone what the ending is beforehand. Did he do that last time? Yeah, he's very infamous for just in interviews going nuts. Good. Uh, he absolutely uh, told everyone that uh, Culp was going to die. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, so. Everything about how they handled that makes me think that they that was all like a planned leak thing, because they literally had interviews ready to go the day that episode aired. These were beforehand, and he was like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, but you, you could be right, but also it was very funny. He was just, just talk, he just decided to talk about his show. Yep. Uh, yes, but that's that's what's going to happen then. And yep. that's it. That's it. We're uh, done. That's it. Done. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, tell people that, about our show if they're watching Discovery. Uh, maybe tell people about Discovery. I know that we have a lot of people who are really into Discovery in our like Discord and stuff, but I also feel like it's a show that 10 people watch. Especially now that the first season of everyone like hate watching it is gone, is anyone going to remember to get back to CBS All Access and watch it? No, I don't know. Um, I I think it's a great show. <laughs> so it's an incredible show. It's an uh, incredible show. Yeah. Um, you know, it, tell people about this podcast, Star Trek Podcast dot Space. Uh, you know where to find us. These are not a main. These are not our main episodes. They can be a little less casual. So thanks everybody. More casual. Did I say less casual? Yes. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's been a day. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course. Until then, we will see you out there.